Hello, everyone. We're going to kick off this episode of Monster Kid Radio with the song Smoking Barrel. It comes from the band Seafoam Tsunami off their album Seismic Swell. It came out last year. You can find them at seafoamtsunami.bandcamp.com and check them out or follow the link in the show notes, of course. Or if you're in Ohio, they actually have a show coming up on January 26th in Canton and a show coming up on February 21st in Manhattan, New York. Seafoam Tsunami is based out of Akron, Ohio, and they gave us permission to play their music here on Monster Kid Radio, the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook. You might also call me your procrastinator because this week we are not talking about Dark Shadows per se, at least not the big TV series episode that I've been talking about for the past several weeks. There's a lot of work that needs to go into that, and I'm still working on it. I'm still making that happen. That's going to happen next week. Stay tuned for more information about what that's going to be like. And I've got a lot of feedback just sitting here. So you know what this episode is? This is an episode devoted to feedback. We have over an hour of listener feedback to get through here, and I'm not doing it by myself. I'm joined by my wife, Bren, and we have some special guests. If you've read the show notes, you know who they are. I'm not going to tell you here, though. You're going to have to keep listening, and you're going to find out who these people are in a moment. You know, right after this. Imagine the world around you is nothing but an illusion. Creatures of legend wage endless wars between shadow and light, but you never see it. Even now, dark forces threaten reality as we know it, but most people never know they exist. This is the world I walk in. I am called Byron, and these are my chronicles. The Byron Chronicles, available at ericbosbypresents.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere else podcasts are available. Welcome to Planet 8. Every two weeks, the crew at Planet 8 Podcast explores the many worlds of science fiction, fantasy, superheroes, monsters, and more. We cover the latest movies and TV shows, as well as old favorites, too. Yeah, like Planet of the Apes. It's a man A man Hey guys, don't forget Star Trek. Fascinating. Or classic monsters like King Kong, Creature from the Black Lagoon, or Godzilla. <laughs> If it's nerdy or geeky, we'll probably be talking about it. So why don't you tune in and check us out? You can find us on iTunes or other fine podcast providers. Come join the conversation at our website, planet8podcast.blogspot.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. This is Planet 8 Podcast, signing off and transmission. Hey Derek, Steve Sullivan here calling to talk about 
House of Dark Shadows. Boy, I wish I could have been on that program with you and Jeff, because I love this film, as I'm sure you're totally not surprised by. One of the things that I love most about House of Dark Shadows and the other Dark Shadows film, Night of Dark Shadows, is that it lets the actors who were so used to having to do something new every day, really lets them unwind, learn their lines, and I think in these two movies, you can really see just how good the actors on Dark Shadows really were. And it's amazing what they did in the time that they were given on the show, but this is what they could do if they really had time to work on it. And it's not like this movie was shot over a huge period of time either. It was shot in between the shows, so they really had to stick it still. But the quality of the acting, just end-to-end, is really fabulous. And, you know, it's too bad Dan Curtis didn't do more Dark Shadows films, because certainly they could have, potentially. But I'm glad that they did what they did and that we got what we got. The film is lean and mean. You know, it's it's too bad that there may be cut scenes that we never saw. It'd be great to see those in extras. But when the Blu-rays came out, they were tailcoating on the uh, Johnny Depp film. And so it was just kind of like a get it out, get it out as fast as you can, which is why we did not get an expanded version of Night of Dark Shadows, which in theory there's a director's cut out there that exists, and it's too bad they didn't do it when they had the chance. Again, the actors are fabulous. I think Caroline, uh, the actress playing her, Nancy Barrett, was really, really good in this and very sexy. That's a very slinky, sexy vampire, not you know as full out as say, a hammer vampire of the time might have been, but still really sexy, and it kind of shows in that and in the way other things are done, kind of the the sexual liberation of the the 70s that kind of carried over from the 60s and came into full bloom around then. So I, I would definitely say it's one of my favorite vampire films of the 1970s. If I had to pick one, though, it would probably be The Night Stalker, which is, of course, a TV film, so in some ways that doesn't maybe count, but... I don't think you can beat that for 1970s vampire films. I just You just can't. It's just that good, even though it's a TV film. The soundtrack for House of Dark Shadows and Night of Dark Shadows is one disc I have it. It's awesome. And ironically, you said it's out of print now and, and expensive. For a long time, it was the cheapest disc that you could get from the show. So that's kind of an interesting swing about. I think House of Dark Shadows is a really good primer for the Dark Shadows series as a whole. It's actually kind of almost a Reader's Digest version of the first Barnabas storyline, kind of mixed with some other stuff, because, of course, you know, we had Vicky then, and we have Maggie now, but Maggie was still one of the main characters in that original story. So I think it could give people a good idea whether they're going to like Dark Shadows and want to invest the time in it or not. I also think, even though it's wonderful to watch Dark Shadows from the beginning, where it was just a gothic soap opera, then a spooky gothic soap opera, and then eventually supernatural gothic soap opera, and the vampire gothic soap opera. It's still okay if people don't want to go through that early stuff to start with Barnabas, because the Barnabas story really marks a clear difference in Dark Shadows. And picking it up with Barnabas, you're still going to get some backflash from the earlier stories for a while. But after that, it's all Barnabas and 
Quentin and company all the time. And I, I think that's good. So I think you can do that. It's wonderful if you want to start from the from the first episode with Victoria on the train and arriving in the old house, the, the original dream that Dan Curtis had that turned into the show. That's wonderful. But don't feel bad if people want to start with Barnabas, because I think once you watch the Barnabas stuff and the rest of the show, you're certainly going to want to go back and see how it all started. Night of Dark Shadows. We talked about that a little uh, you guys didn't sound like you're really crazy about it, or, or maybe you haven't seen it and Jeff wasn't really crazy about it. I really like it. I think it's a really good film, and I think it has a lot of the strengths of House of Dark Shadows, but it also has the strength that it is a standalone film in that it, it doesn't depend on any of the soap opera continuity. And I think that's really interesting, and I think it's kind of an interesting and weird choice for them to make since they were spinning off from the original soap opera series. But I think it's worthwhile. And as I mentioned earlier, there is, in theory, a longer cut. And I'm sure that the deficiencies in Night of Dark Shadows would be addressed if we actually got to see it the way Dan Curtis intended. I'm sure that some of the things that seem a little rushed and maybe a little unexplained, I'm sure that it all work out. And again, the cast is great. You mentioned the big finish Dark Shadows, and those are really worth listening to, I think. I've been lucky enough to be on the Scribes, judging panel for audio drama recently and I've heard a lot of the Big Finish things in fact one of their stories won the best novelization or the best audio drama of uh, all audio dramas related to television movies just a couple of years back and a lot of them are really good and a lot of them feature people like uh, David Selby and Catherine Lee Scott so I'd recommend it. People who are interested, give them a listen. They feature a lot of the original players, not only Catherine Lee Scott and, and David Selby, who I mentioned earlier, but also Laura Parker, Jerry Lacey, and a number of other original cast members, all in new original stories, which harken back to the original stories as well. It's almost like Dark Shadows, The Next Generation, which is what I would have done rather than rebooting Dark Shadows as they tried to do later in prime time. It was a noble attempt, but if they'd actually carried the story forward, I think it would have worked just as well and been just as good. In any case, there's still plenty of Dark Shadows stuff out there. You can definitely read all the books by Catherine Lee Scott. She's got a huge number of them, and they're really, really good, and she's a wonderful lady. And Dark Shadows lives, man. So... Looking forward to hearing Night of Dark Shadows. Maybe I'll even do that show with you, unless you're doing Jeff again. Maybe we'll both do it. Anyway, congratulations on having a great Dan Sember so far, and I'll talk to you soon. Steve Sullivan, signing off. That was Steve Sullivan over at sdsullivan.com, and uh, just kind of inadvertently, kind of accidentally, because he sent in such a mega voicemail. He is part of Dan Sember and part of the House of Dark Shadows coverage, and I, I love all of that, and I agree with you regarding what, could have been with the Dark Shadows films. It would have been amazing to see more Dark Shadows movies done by Dan Curtis as opposed to Johnny Depp. What do you think, Brenda? I think I don't understand what you were saying. You said <laughs> inadvertently, accidentally, he's part of something else. Well, he said in the voicemail that he wanted to maybe be part of that show. It's too bad he couldn't be part of the show. Well, by sending in that voicemail and kind of dovetailing it, uh, I don't know. It's a reach. It's feedback time. Yes. And I've got Brenda here, mm-hmm. as always, and uh, Steve is going to get his wish. There will be a Danuary because we are not talking about Dark Shadows, the show on this episode. We're catching up on feedback instead, which means the Dark Shadows coverage will be happening in January, making it 
January, but that's only going to happen once, Steve. Only once. <laughs> uh, but we do have a lot of feedback, so much so that I don't feel like I can do it all by myself. And Brenda, as awesome as she is, she can't do it with me either. We need some extra help. We've called in a couple of uh, 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 extra tag team people. Scott and Tracy are here. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, good. <laughs> it's going to be one of those kinds of shows. Yay. So Scott and Tracy are in town. You heard Scott. No, you didn't hear Scott on anything that we did last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were in the... Wow. We are recording this on a Sunday night after a crazy weekend of adventures. And you did hear Scott on the Face of the Screaming Werewolf episode that we put out a couple of days ago. Of course you heard me on it. You made me watch that movie. You better have put me on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I made you watch it like you didn't enjoy yourself. I had a great time watching that film. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. It's so good. So you heard Scott. And on that episode, since we're talking about it, you also heard David Heath on the show. And uh, just so people know, if you didn't see the update, Scott, David, and I met up and we recorded the first episode, episode number one, or plan one, of the Plan 9 by 9 podcast. That has happened. That's in the virtual can. It's happening. I'm excited about it. And David was awesome. And speaking of David, just a quick shout out. If you are in the Portland, Oregon area, you want to go to Fandom PDX this upcoming weekend. Because on Saturday, he's running the presentation from Arkham Asylum to Red Sonia, how early 20th century literature changed modern comics. And that's at FandomPDX.com. Go check it out. And if you see David, tell him Monster Kid Radio said hi. Anyway... We're here for feedback. Why don't we do some more feedback? Um, We've got a bunch of emails. Why don't we knock some of those out? Hi, Derek. Hi. Wishing you and Brenda happy holiday. Your podcast continues to be an inspiration. It is a shining star during this golden age of podcasting. (laughs) Congratulations on your 400 episodes and wishing you many more. All the best. Kurt F., a fan since episode one. You hear that? I'm a shining star. <laughs> I need some hip boots here. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, Kurt is a um, Monster Kid Radio hipster. Oh, <laughs> He liked it from the beginning. I liked Monster Kid Radio before it was cool. So, wait a minute. Was there a period where MKR wasn't cool? Before I was on it. Oh. <laughs> I have to agree with that. Oh. oh, come on now. Come on now. Well, except for the episodes that I was on. That's so, true. Yeah, That's the course, exception. And Tracy. What about me? <laughs> Am I the token not so cool kid? Oh, no. No, no, no. no. You're the token Tracy. Yes. The token Tracy. Does that work somehow? Tracy. I'll take it as a compliment. There you go. Every podcast needs a Tracy. <laughs> Well, we had Tracy on to do Wasp Woman. And what was the other thing we did? That's what I was going to say. Was uh, it 50-Foot Woman? Yeah, it was 50-Foot Woman. Attack of 50-Foot Woman. we did War of the Worlds. This could be the beginning of the end for the human race. For what men first thought were meteors or the often ridiculed flying saucers are in reality the flaming vanguard of the invasion from Mars. Looks like they're going to come out of that gully pretty soon. We'll have to rush our defenses to be ready when they do. You guys need plenty of reinforcements. We'll get them. Lieutenant! Look! They slash across country like scythes, wiping out everything that's trying to get away from them. That explains why communication is cut the moment their machines begin moving. Montreal's blacked out. Nothing more has come through. Same thing that happened on the Pacific coast. 
Anything from them yet? No, Mr. Secretary. We've had nothing from San Francisco for over five hours. The nations of the world mobilize their armed might, rushing to defend the Earth against the unknown weapons of the super race from the Red Planet. Is there nothing that can stop the Martian death machines? Guns, tanks, bombs. They're like toys against them. We know now that we can't beat their machines. We've got to beat them. All over the world, human beings cower before the onslaught of these unearthly enemies, whom no one has ever seen. <coughs> Panic that sweeps around the globe as the great masses of mankind flee blindly in a headlong stampede of hysteria. Oh, way back. Right, way back, near the very, very beginning, back before we were cool. No, if Tracy was on, that's an exception from the before you were cool. Oh, okay. So the episodes that Scott was on, which was before Tracy, were those cool? Yes. When were we not cool? When it was just you. It was never just (laughs) me. And that's one thing we love about Monster Kid Radio, is it's never just about Derek. He's great at bringing people in and engaging the community. Wow. You are a shining star. I just took the hip boots off. (laughs) Well, we have another email. Uh, This is from Andrew Roebuck, who has been on the show in the past, and I'd love to get him back on the show again. And a thanks to Kurt for saying hello. Hey, Derek. Hey. (laughs) Just wanted to send a big gamma size congratulations on reaching episode 400. Being on MKR is still one of my favorite podcasting experiences to date, and getting to listen to the podcast grow has been an absolute delight. Brenda is a great addition to the show. You can skip over that part. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) There's also a washing machine in the background. Do you think people can hear that? So we are doing laundry while we do feedback, so just so people know. We have to sit in a different place to accommodate all of us, so it's probably picking up more. Okay, let me find a great place to start. Oh, yeah, Brenda is a great addition to the show. I adore listening to your banter. I'm sorry, I didn't understand that. You want to say that again just to make sure it's clear? Brenda, me, is a great addition to the show. I adore listening to your banter and discussions. Big ups to the famous monsters of Filmland and Weird Wednesday segments as well. As well, They've helped enhance what was already a wonderful podcast. I just wanted to throw in a thank you for your hours of entertainment and friendship. Cheers, Andrew. Uh, I love the extra segments that are coming in when... Uh Ken sends in the famous monster stuff. I'm stoked. And Jeff's Weird Wednesday stuff, you know, he just started doing that without even telling me. It was just pretty cool. Pretty amazing. He was not at Weird Wednesday for Face of the Screaming Werewolf. Jeff, you missed out. <laughs> Scott's just giggling over. <laughs> for certain generous allowances of missed out. <laughs> oh, come on. It was fun. You know, if Jeff didn't want to meet the Scott Morris, I mean... Come on. And it's his loss. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Well, Andrew, we are going to have him back on the show in the near future. There's some more Gamera films. Pounding across the motion picture screen comes the most terrifying monster of them all. Gamera, the invincible. Gamera, the super monster that even the H-bomb cannot destroy. Gamera, the invincible. Gamera, consuming raw atomic power, 
power to destroy entire cities. Open fire! Man's most destructive weapons have no effect on Gamera the Invincible. The mightiest nuclear weapons ever devised are powerless against Gamera the Invincible. Is humanity doomed? Will the world be destroyed? The United Nations is called to emergency session in a last desperate effort to save the world. We have one plan that we think might work. We have discussed Plan Z with the Japanese authorities, and they agree it is the best of our alternative plans. Is that correct, sir? That is so. Plan Z is hope of the world. A cast of thousands at the mercy of the most terrifying monster that ever lived. Brian Donlevy as General Arnold. is beyond comprehension. He must be stopped now. Albert Decker as the Secretary of Defense. Will Plan Z stop Gamera? Gamera, the Invincible. So Scott and Tracy actually know a lot about Gamera because it's been covered on Mystery Science Theater 3000 quite a bit. Right? Have all of them been on MST3K? I know at least four because they put out a box set not too long ago. Did you experience Gamera through MST3K first, or did you know about Gamera beforehand? Oh, no, I knew. This is for both of you. I knew about Gamera beforehand. I mean, Sammy Terry featured some, mm. some Gamera films. That makes sense. I know I had seen monster movies, the Japanese monster movies, before MST3K. I couldn't tell you specifically if Gamera was one of the characters I'd ever seen. But I was aware of the general genre. Have you gone back to watch Gamera straight since MST3K? I have not. I have watched a couple. Is he full of turtle meat? Of course he is. (laughs) (laughs) Brent, you've watched some Mm -hmm. MST3K. You said that you liked it, actually, when you you watched it. And we've got a handful of it here. You remember watching Gamera at all? No. The Flying Turtle? No, but I never... When I was younger... Wednesday has not watched Gamera either. <laughs> I bet she'd like Mothra, though. Trying oh, to chase yeah. Mothra. Yeah, yeah. She is a cat who watches TV. She does. Intently. You were saying about uh, Gamera. Oh, that I watched <laughs> MST3K when I was younger as more for the MST3K jokes than for the movie itself. Gotcha. Okay. Well, it sounds like we're going to be watching Gamera together at some very near future. Anyway. Anyway. Awesome. Thanks for running in, man. Yeah. We've got a long email here. You want to do this? You want to do another voicemail? Whatever you get. You're running the show. What do you want to do Wednesday? I want to look at the Christmas tree. Okay. Why don't we do the email? Hey, Brenda and Derek and Monster Cats. Hey. Hello. Hey, hey. There we go. I really hope that picked up. (laughs) I just wanted to shoot you some thoughts on a couple of shows. First up, Dan Curtis's Dracula. This was a fun episode that made me go watch the movie after listening. I enjoyed Jack Palance's take on the count. Did I get that right? I think so. It is pronounced Jack. (laughs) That switch from welcoming host to captor 
you mentioned is indeed effective. Next, House of Dark Shadows. I can remember as a kid watching Dark Shadows with my cousins when my family visited them in the summers. Barnabas was the draw because as kids we weren't that interested in the drama stuff. Just give us vampires. The discussion of this movie and subsequent talk of the series made me want to revisit. So it goes into the ever-growing queue. It could be true, you know. There could actually be a man named Barnabas Collins, and he could actually be a real vampire. (laughs) House of Dark Shadows from MGM. See how the vampires do it. GP, all ages, parental guidance. Horror of Dracula. I'm a bit reluctant to admit I've never seen this one. Please, <gasps> please don't send super brain whips my way. <laughs> okay. But after listening to this episode, I have moved it up in my Amazon wish list right after the black cat and the vampire bat. Y'all did rekindle my hunger for Hammer. So I found that Dracula Has Risen from the Grave was on Prime, so I watched it. I enjoyed it a lot. Though Cushingless, it was a great film. I really dug the focus on Dracula's mesmerism and the sensuality of the film. That is often watered down in non-Hammer movies. The protagonists were solid. I felt for the priest, whom was turned, and his struggle. It was fun to see Michael Ripper, too. No coffin could ever hold him. No door could ever bar his way. He is back from the dead. Count Dracula is alive. has risen from the grave. Dracula, the most fearsome name in any language, the most feared being ever to haunt the living. Carlson, Hammer's new star discovery, Dracula's most beautiful victim. Dracula has risen from the grave. To resist him is useless. To rise against him is futile. To know him is eternal damnation. Dracula has risen from the grave. 
So before you continue, uh, because Scott's here, and we used to do Down Place, and darn it, I want to bring it back so bad. Oh. You've, you've seen all but the final two. I have not seen the ones that happened in the 70s. Right. Actually, you know what? I don't know if we did Scars of Dracula, now that I think about it. No, we haven't done that one. Okay, well, of, of the Hammer Draculas... What's your favorite? Oh, the first one. The first one. Yeah, yeah it's not even close. Yeah. And I do like the second one because it picks up right after the end. It's it's probably the only Hammer sequel that is truly a sequel. Well, Revenge of Frankenstein does it too. It picks up right afterwards. Yeah, but, that's... You know, as they move on, you're right. You just, yeah. yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that because no. I, I have fun with a lot of those films. Yeah. So It's hard to beat Christopher Lee in a Dracula flick, bottom line. Yeah. You know, Cushing yeah. or not. Cushing is... Makes it extra special, I guess. Mm. And that's why I like the first one better. Mm-hmm. Do you want to bring Down Place back? Uh, yeah, because I know that we have we have one episode that the two of us have recorded uh, without Casey. Mm-hmm. And I'm also sitting on two episodes that were recorded with Casey that have never seen the light of uh, the internet. Okay. May I suggest that we finish the uh, funded Oh, yeah, I think Plan, Plan 9 by Plan 9 needs nine. to happen next. Yes. Yeah, that, that Before to be we bring back her. another, yes. <laughs> Tracy just shook her head, which is awesome podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the vampire bat. Okay. Speaking of the vampire bat, man, I really have to thank you for turning me on to that one. I love it. I thought I sent an email about it earlier, but I think I never actually did. So here it is. I just wanted to make some quick comments on the vampire bat show. I saw the announcement of the show and decided I would watch the movie before listening to the episode. I had not seen this one before and frankly had passed it over because it looked so bland. But once again, thanks to MKR, I discovered a gem. So much so that I watched it again after the episode. That's fantastic. This is a super movie. The acting is super solid. Paul is absolutely correct. The camera loves Fay Ray. She is intriguing in this film. Lionel at will is the f- Lionel. Lionel at will is fast. That's never going to get old. It's Lionel yeah. at will. Yeah, the, the the train tycoon. Right, right. Yeah, the guy. Who, no, <laughs> Mister at will is fast becoming a favorite of mine. I would. Say I like him in Mystery of the Wax Museum best, but he's fantastic in the film, too. Just sinister enough. Thank you, Paul, for pointing out the Dr. Neiman connections. Very intriguing. I want to see that backstory. I like Melvin Douglas's role in this. I think he did a super job as well. It was a joy to see Dwight Fry. Blood loofah. What a cool monster. (laughs) (laughs) I like the plot twist that there's no vampire bat or vampire for that matter, but a deadly, dangerous lump of tissue in a vat. Watch out! Does he just roll his vat towards you? No, not. You'll have to watch the movie. Okay. I thought it was. And listeners, you just heard her say, okay, which means she's going to watch the vampire bat. That, no. You heard that. Everybody heard that. Okay. That happened. She was acknowledging that one has to watch the movie in order to have the question answered. Actually, I was. was I was accepting the fact that I will never know. Ah, the vampire (laughs) bat's actually really good. The acting is awesome. I thought it was a neat change of pace and a bold choice for the time period. I still feel the lack of a fancy monster has damaged the film's reputation, though. 
The ending of the film is a bit bizarre and rather abrupt. I didn't catch the joke at the end on the first view, but totally got it on the second. It is really jarring and out of place and kind of weird. Up the stairs, Aunt Gert goes and roll credits. Jarring. I thought of a much better ending. Bang, bang. Carl enters the lab to find Emil on the floor and Neiman flopped into the vat with the quote monster end quote. <laughs> he rushes Ruth out. The shot switches back to the lab. The camera focuses on the vat as the sound of a heartbeat is heard. We see blood run down Neiman's arm into the vat and the creation pulses faster. It moves, inching its way up Neiman's arm as his heartbeat slows, slows, stops, silence. The creature oozes into his inert body through the gunshot wound. A moment passes. Then we hear a weak heartbeat. It grows louder, stronger, and Neiman begins to move. He rises slowly and stumbles. He straightens as the camera swings around to his face. Wide-eyed, he stares and moves into and past the camera. Cut back to Ruth, Carl, and Gert. Joke removed this time. Gert goes up the stairs. Ruth and Carl return to the lab to find Neiman gone. This is a really good movie, and I'm glad you pointed me to it. It is now in my top 25 of all time. The cool thing about The Vampire Bat is that it kind of sort of is in the public domain. Well, it is in the public domain, which means you can find it pretty easily pretty much everywhere. The downside is that because it's in the public domain, there's a lot of terrible transfers out there. So get the Blu-ray. If you're going to watch the movie, check out the Blu-ray because it is cleaned up as best as it can be. And it's got the color section restored. And that color bit with the torches is phenomenal. I love the Dr. Neiman connection. And if House of Frankenstein was in the public domain and you can do anything you wanted to with that Dr. Neiman character, I think it'd be a fun story to write. Uh, the two Neimans, especially since they have the connection in the form of the screenwriter on both films. It's just awesome. Paul was the man for suggesting that film. And I love your little breakdown there too, which means you need to write that, man. Mm. <laughs> just saying. And if this film is in the public domain, it would be perfectly appropriate and capable. And allowable. Allowable. And, and sellable. <laughs> yes. Make yourself a buck or two. Yes. Because I'll buy it. Blood loofah. Maybe not call it blood loofah. Or maybe do, and then we, we create an Etsy shop to sell Bloody loofahs. Oh, well, yeah. not bloody loofahs. <laughs> <laughs> no, the loofahs that have red soap in them. <laughs> red oozing soap? Yes, yes. <laughs> that suds up. <laughs> oh, the subtitle of this episode is just going to be bloody loofahs. Okay. <laughs> we got more. Uh, it's almost over here. <laughs> okay. I want to thank you again, Derek. Because of you, I have discovered some fantastic movies. In addition to this movie, add Cave of the Living Dead, Mystery of the Wax Museum, Bride of the Gorilla, and several others. Movies I probably would never have considered had it not been for MKR. Thank you for destroying my movie snobbery. <laughs> I'm enjoying the FM segments, too. I have received my classic five decks and enjoy quizzing myself at least once a week and my son, who listens to MKR with me in the car. Thanks to MKR, we have another thing that we share. Hmm. On a completely different topic, I thought I heard you mention that you and Brenda play board games with Dominique. 
I have a board game focused podcast, Go Forth and Game, where I interview game designers and publishers, review games, and talk about monster movies. In a recent show, I talked with Dice Hate Me Games' Chris Kirkman about how to do horror and board and card games. I have also started a designer diary type blog post on the Inquisitive Meeple, which is www.inquisitivemeeple.com, charting my journey to design a science fiction themed game based on a cool public domain movie. Look for the giant hula monster on Inquisitive Meeple to read about that. Hula. Because giant hula monster. What did I say? I think I'm just repeating it because oh. I think it sounds awesome. And that is at iTunes.Apple. You know what? Uh, stay tuned because at the very end of the show where I wrap it up, I'll mention the website yes. address because uh, I have it on my other computer. I'll also make sure there's a link in the show notes to go forth endgame. Yes, but if you just want to look it up on Apple, I'm sure that would work. If you try sure. to type it in, and there are dashes between each of the words go forth and game. Thank you, Brenda, for being part of the show on and off the air. Aww. Wow, I totally lied about this being a quick email. <laughs> I'll sign off now and give some other Monster Kids some time. Y'all are awesome. Thanks again. Monster on. Tom G. Gerganis. Okay. So what were the three movies that he mentioned there at the top? Cave of the Living Dead and what else? Mystery of the Wax Museum. Bride of the Gorilla. So the three titles. I know you haven't seen them. No. Scott and Tracy, are you familiar with any of these movies? Again, wonderful podcasting. People are shaking their head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just calling them out I've, because they're my friends. So. I've heard the title Bride of the Gorilla, but have not seen it. And the other two don't ring a bell. Okay. So just kind of impromptu popping this on all three of you, just or dropping this on all three of you. I'll start with Tracy. Of the three, if you had to pick one that you had to watch... Gun to head. Which one would it be? From title only, I'm kind of interested in Mystery of the Wax Museum. Okay. Scott? Now, see, that gives me a Night at the Museum vibe, so that would not be my choice. It would be Bride of the Gorilla, because Gorilla. (laughs) Brenda? Because these are older and maybe lower budget movies, I don't want to see terrible wax figures. (laughs) So I'm going with Bride of the Gorilla. Okay, so that's what we're going to watch then, because that's the one that got all the votes. No, so Cave of the Living Dead is actually really good. It's a great vampire film. Mystery of the Wax Museum is basically House of Wax, just done in the 30s. Um, and it's got a lot of, well, in Faye Ray, and it's awesome, and it's not cheesy at all. Uh, Bride of the Gorilla does have a lot more cheese, so uh, Brendan, you oh, picked no. the cheesy movie. Yes! No. <laughs> <laughs> so we should do Classic Five amongst all of us. Ooh, okay. Well, yeah. tell you what. Why don't we play a voicemail while okay. I'm getting the deck? Okay. Hello, Derek. This is Chris Walton calling you from the hills of Tennessee, also known as Chester. Uh, I was listening to your uh, show last week about the Dan Curtis Dracula, and I thought I'd drop a line. I've been listening for a few years now, and I enjoy every episode. Uh, what prompted my call was thinking about the classic Marvel Comics Tomb of Dracula. I always wondered if the artist Gene Cohen didn't base his visual on Jack Palance. Just a thought. Another thing, it would be really cool if Marvel, now that they're in a success with all the Marvel Universe movies, did their own monster universe. Since Universal seems to be having such a tough time, wouldn't it be cool if they started a line of 
Tomb of Dracula, Werewolf by Night, Monster of Frankenstein. Just a dream. Hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you for all you do. So, I don't know how true this is. Uh, I did some research about the Gene Colan thing, and the Tomb of Dracula comic, I think, based on what I saw online, came out before Dan Curtis's Dracula. However, it did not come out before Dan Curtis's Jekyll and Hyde TV movie, which also starred Jack Palance. And some sources online say that Colan did base the Dracula image or face on Jack Palance from the Jekyll and Hyde movie before Palance played Dracula, which I think is kind of cool. I, I, I hope that's true. As far as Marvel monster stuff. Oh, yeah. So Scott and Tracy, they do Disney Indiana, which means they talk about everything Disney related up to it, including the Marvel Universe and the MCU films, because Disney owns my childhood. So uh, here's what I want to know. Do you think that would work? Just do a monster version of the MCU using MCU stuff. Well, with Disney putting out its new streaming service, I can see that maybe being some limited run miniseries that they would do. In October, you know, kind of make it all spooky. That would spooky. be perfect. As long as they include Cap Wolf, I'm in. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> now, let's hear what Scott said. <laughs> well, I think we're going to get a taste of that coming up because even though it's not directly Disney, not directly Marvel, we do have the new Mutants coming out, which is done by uh, Fox. They still have the X Men license and they're not uh, completely owned by Disney yet. Mm-hmm. That one is being billed as a horror movie, and we'll see how that does. I'm a little concerned of if Disney slash Marvel decided to do that to create movies, monster movies. Are people going to be uh, okay with them only being PG-13? Yeah, that's where things get a little iffy, I feel like. Marvel, in the comics... <laughs> Which I feel like I say a lot whenever we talk about the MC movie. Even with you guys, when we talk about the Marvel movies. Well, in the comics, this happened. Uh, in the comics, Marvel has integrated both Frankenstein's monster and Dracula into their continuity. The X-Men fought Dracula. Uh, in an alternate timeline, Dracula made Storm one of his bribes. Uh, the very first Marvel comic that I ever read, the Thing met up and teamed up with Frankenstein's monster. Th- this is part of the Marvel Universe. You go back and read a bunch of the Invaders comics, which was uh, Captain America's team. They fought Frankenstein's monster. Um, So you do have those monsters in there. Plus you have Werewolf by Night, which I haven't seen it yet, but you're saying, spoiler, the character that does become the traditional Werewolf by Night does not make it uh, to the end of Venom. Um, There's a lot of talk about Morbius maybe being a film with Jared Leto playing the role. I think that's who they said, right? Yes. Okay. Which... Seems odd, since he's also still slated to maybe do more Joker, and I didn't think they liked to cross-pollinate that way. Uh, so you do have Morbius, and then I would love to see Blade come back. That's true. I didn't think of Blade of being a horror movie, and it definitely is, and I enjoyed the Blade movies quite a bit. Blade was kind of the movie that started Marvel toward the path exactly. of successful movie <laughs> films. What about Howard the Duck? Come on. It's successful. Although Howard the Duck does have a monster. Yep. You know, it would not surprise me if a Blade reboot is somewhat in the works. It would be interesting to see who they would look at for casting. Okay. So I've read a bunch of the stuff about this, and Wesley Snipes still wants to do it. Oh, he de- yeah. He's still got taxes to pay, I think. <laughs> so would he be the role of a mentor? I don't know what he looks like these days, but... 
He could be in the Chris Christopherson role. Why not just have, could he play Blade? Could he play the character still? Would it be weird to bring him back and then kind of reboot and try to forget the previous three films? Yeah, I think it would be better if you brought him in as as a mentor role or just completely redo the character. There was a TV show. Did you ever watch the TV show? I never watched the TV show. So the guy they had playing Blade in that was a rapper called Sticky Fingers. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Probably not bring him in. No, no. <laughs> Well, Michael B. Jordan is available. His character in the MCU is killed off. True, but one of the things that Marvel is really good at is bringing in people that we don't know. You know, a lot of people probably knew Michael B. Jordan, but still, his biggest role at that time was Creed. Right. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. was a big name. But right. But most of the MCU, most of the people in there, they're now known for the MCU. It's hard to really pick a lot of things that they had done before they became. MCU act. I, I feel like, and no, no offense, but Robert Downey Jr. was kind of damaged goods uh, when Disney or when Marvel, he wasn't part of Disney yet, picked him up and, and then kind of did what they did. And Downey, Downey's journey is amazing just by himself as a guy. Um, he lived Iron Man. He lived Tony Stark. Basically, <laughs> yeah. Basically. Uh, and then the other big guys, you know, Chris Helmsworth, Chris Evans. Um, I mean, they had careers, obviously, but they weren't. The names. Mark Ruffalo, maybe Scarlett Johansson may have had the biggest. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't know who they'd pick. Huh. So would you focus it around Blade and, and make vampires the thing if you were to do it? Yeah, I think I would. And and, and I'm, I'm really kind of sold on the idea of bringing in Wesley Snipes as a mentor in in like the Chris Christopherson role as a tribute to him of what he what he's done. I would not want to just go in and ignore him totally. Okay. I agree that seems fair. Would you have it be its own bubble apart from the MCU and everything else or would you maybe have some tenuous links to Civil War, Infinity War and, and Homecoming and all these other projects? I would like to see him and maybe start off in a small bubble, but include characters like Ghost Rider and Venom and more of the scarier characters would show up. Oh, Ghost Rider would be a perfect They already had a Ghost Link Rider, in. right? Because of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. There was- right. Yeah. I'd love to have Robbie Reyes uh, come in with Blade. Uh, Ghost Rider who doesn't ride anything. Oh, come on. The Hell Charger is awesome. I'm sure it is, but he's not riding it. He's driving it. Ghost Rider needs a motorcycle, man. He's not Ghost Driver. He's Ghost Rider. <laughs> Ghost Driver doesn't sound nearly as cool. You're absolutely right. Well, okay. So speaking of S.H.I.E.L.D. then, I haven't watched it. I keep meaning to go back and watch the season that the Darkhold turned up in. That's kind of spooky, scary stuff, right? That would be another interesting yeah. hook into the supernatural. Yeah, but the the Darkhold's only in, what, about half of that season? It doesn't get referenced too much in the second half. But uh, that's also uh, where Robbie Reyes is in. Right. And it is it is my favorite season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because I love the character of Robbie Reyes. I, I know the, the issues that people have. He's not a ghost writer, but still, the character in the, in the um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show is really cool. I want to make this a bigger thing, so I think we'll go ahead and move on and, and talk about something maybe Brenda can join us on because she's playing. Yeah, anyway. That's okay. <laughs> but I, I would love to pursue maybe having listeners create their own dream Marvel monster universe, I guess you'd call it. Uh, and, and who would be in it? What characters would you involve? 
I personally would want to see Hellstorm. You know, Son of Satan, how scary. I mean, that that's it. I mean, that's, that's the thing. And then Brother Voodoo, I'd love to see come in. But maybe go to Facebook, and I'll start a thread, actually, and I'd love to see what you guys and gals think would make a good Marvel monster universe. I'd love to have Scott and Tracy chime in as well over there. Sound good? Yeah, the one more uh, last thing I would like to say about it is I'm not sure I want to see Frankenstein's monster, Dracula, even though they have been introduced in the comics. I think that even though they are public domain characters, that's still Universal's realm, and I don't know if we would uh, really want to have comparisons to Universal. Especially with the way the Dark Universe has kind of not performed yeah 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 can you imagine if marvel came in and said okay we're going to do frankenstein or we're going to have a mummy or whatever and it's successful the the dark universe oh. would be completely dead and never come back they do have a mummy the living mummy anyway um you're right dracula and frankenstein's monster have a lot of baggage so it might be difficult to bring them in but who knows but let's talk about it on facebook i, I like this idea a lot uh, let's do another email. This is from Alistair, the author of Info Gothic. And if you didn't get it for Christmas, use your Christmas money to go buy it for yourself. <laughs> it's amazing. There will be links in the show notes for you to pick it up on Amazon or directly from the publisher out of New Zealand. Hello, Derek. Oh, hello. Sorry. <laughs> I was just settling in to listen to you. Sorry. Your excellent conversation with Jeff about House of Dark Shadows brought back some fond childhood memories. I wonder if there must be a name for a cultural meme where everyone seems to know the name of a character, but have no idea of the slightest bit of context. Because when growing up in New Zealand in the mid to late 1970s, that seemed to be the case with Barnabas Collins. Almost everyone here recognized the name and even knew he was a vampire, but they would have never heard of Dark Shadows. An occasionally fearsome English teacher at my college with the surname Collins quickly became dubbed Barnabas, behind his back, of course, and as far as I know, carried it through to his retirement. <laughs> Some of the newer students probably even thought it was his actual name. Come to think of it, we also had a Drack Miller, a widow-peaked maths teacher who managed to look like both Lugosi and Lee at the same time, but the sum was definitely less than the parts. <laughs> I can't make that happen in my brain. I can't do the gymnastics needed to make Lugosi and Lee merge into one. <laughs> the look on Scott's face is priceless. You said Lugosi Lee? Lugosi Lee. Lugoli? Lugosi. Ligosi. There we go. Okay, someone with Photoshop skills do the merge for us. With the time and more talent than me. Anyway, a rummage through my cobwebbed memory vault turns up a clue as to why Barnabas became so widely known here. And I believe it's because the 1970s were also the era of family board games. Milton Bradley were quick to capitalize on the success of Dark Shadows and release the Barnabas Collins' Dark Shadows game in 1969. His name was at least 10 times larger than the programs on the front box front, <laughs> which he shows by making it all capitals. New Zealand was a far-flung outpost back then, and the game didn't reach these shores until the mid-70s. The accompanying television commercial, complete with a sepulchrally voiced 
narrator intoning the vampire's name and the promise of free glow-in-the-dark plastic fangs. <laughs> Honestly, if you're trying to sneak up on someone in the dark and bite them with fangs, <laughs> glow-in-the-dark seems like the last kind of fangs you want to have. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. So in the Marvel Monster Universe, the vampires do not have glowing fangs. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the accompanying television commercial somehow embedded Barnabas in our popular culture, more so than the Tim Burton film, at least. Now, he does give the link to the Barnabas Collins commercial, and what the heck, I'm going to play the audio on it right here. This is Barnabas Collins. He lives in a strange world, a world of vampires, werewolves, and dark shadows. Now the world of Dark Shadows is yours in a strange new game by Milton Bradley, the Barnabas Collins Dark Shadows game. Each player spins, then selects bones from the coffin. But watch out for the dreaded stake. You struggle to complete a skeleton, a skeleton that glows in the dark. If you win, the curse of the vampire is yours. Mm-hmm. In the game, you get a set of Barnabas fangs. Milton Bradley makes the best games in the world. And the Barnabas Collins game is the scariest. So get it. I kind of want to see it. I finally saw House of Dark Shadows itself during a late night ferry crossing between our North and South Islands. Unusual circumstances, and the film certainly didn't disappoint. MKR 399 was another superb episode paying tribute to the brilliance of Dan Curtis. Fangs for the memories. (laughs) (laughs) I want to play the Barnabas Collins board game, and I want glow-in-the-dark fangs. (laughs) However, I'll probably only find this game on the used game market, and I don't know if I want used glow-in-the-dark fangs. Because you know I'm going to put them in my mouth. You know I'm going to be all like, ah, I want to suck your one. You know. Would they be dishwasher safe? I would hope so. I, man, I don't know. You need to bleach the heck out of them. Or, yeah. Mm. I don't know. I remember the glow in the dark stuff wearing down pretty quickly. Like you, it wouldn't recharge during the day anymore. So would they still be glow in the dark? I don't know. I mean, yeah. I can just, like, paint my teeth with whiteout and use a black light, I guess, right? Why don't you wait until I get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom? And then when I come back to bed, you can just smile with the -the glow-in-the-dark whatever. There we go. Oriental Trading Company. I bet money they have glow-in-the-dark fangs. You can probably buy a dozen of them for, like, seven bucks. I need to... Oh, really? You know what? Okay, merchandising opportunity coming up. The official Monster Kid Radio glow-in-the-dark fangs. Let's see if we can find some wholesale. Listeners, you're you're hearing something amazing right now. This is the behind the scenes. This is the magic that goes into MKR. You just witnessed the birth of an amazing merchandising idea. All autographed by Derek M. Cook. Uh, more actually probably autographed by Brenda. People pay more for that. No. Wait. <laughs> Doesn't that ruin the glow of the dark? Well, we'll sign their packaging. You should personally put on each pair and <gasps> then sell them. <laughs> Oh, man, that's great. Now we can clone him. (laughs) (laughs) And put him into this game we've created. Our own personal copy. (laughs) Um, We just watched the USS Callister episode of Black Mirror. Again. And it was awesome. Again, first time for Tracy. I think it's an awesome episode. Me too. It's so good and throwbacky. Yeah, I love my classic Trek references. What did you think? 
Oh, I really enjoyed it too. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. So, you know, he mentioned board games and we didn't address this earlier in Tom's email. Uh, We've only been to Dominique's once to play board games. Oh, that's right. And we played, what was it? uh, 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 It was one of the Lovecraft games. Arkham Arkham Asylum? Something. Yeah. It takes a long time and I felt really bad because I really wanted to play that game because we weren't able to figure it out ourselves. And it turns out we weren't able to figure it out ourselves because it's a really complicated <laughs> gameplay. Is there a market for games that are really difficult to play and require a ton of setup and a lot of like configuring of of what you do in between actually playing the game? There are some people to whom that appeals. I am not one of them. No. We've had a couple of games that we purchased either through Kickstarter or just randomly and they're so difficult to play because of everything you have to set up and everything you have to do in between and turns and who does what when um that it just sucks all the fun out of it for me yeah it, it can be tough but i bet this marvis game is is uh pretty <laughs> easy to learn it's a board game Give me some dice and i'm good to go right or mm. spinner maybe even. and glow in the dark plastic things well yeah it's a given <laughs> Al, thanks for writing in, man. And uh, again, listeners, InfoGothic, check it out. It's awesome. We really plug InfoGothic, huh? Well, it's just very gorgeous. It, it really is. Uh, if nothing else, listeners, go to the... What are we looking at? Oh, listen to this. Scott is getting ready to buy it. He's not even waiting for me to make the MKR link. He's just going to buy it straight out, and I think it's great. Do it. Um, there's even a YouTube video that I created kind of promoting it as well. So go to the Monster Kid Radio YouTube page, type in InfoGothic, and you'll find it. Is that the one that goes really fast, though? Yeah, it's got to be trying to be all promotion-y. Yeah, but then you don't get to enjoy the beautiful graphics. Which means you have to buy the book. (laughs) Or just hit pause at just the right time. Sound marketing there, Derek. That's right. (laughs) It's called a tease. You understand? (laughs) The Monster Kid Radio seal of approval. All right, next email. Season's greetings. I was very pleased to hear your discussion of Dan Curtis's Dracula. I had one question, and please forgive me if you covered this subject during the podcast and I just zoned out, thus missing it. (laughs) (laughs) I watched this movie on TV when it first aired as a teenager way back when. A memory ingrained in my memory is a scene where Dracula brings home a baby in a burlap sack as some sort of meal for his brides. He tosses it to them rather matter-of-factly. I have watched the movie a few times since, and the scene is not present. Do I have a false memory, or has the scene been clipped as being too morbid or something like that? Your response would be greatly appreciated. Keep them coming, Paul D. I don't remember seeing that in the version that I watched. Do you think it got clipped? Well, it was a TV movie. Oh, so it wouldn't have been... Oh, man, I don't know. Is there... Sullivan, he's the guy who covered it with me, and he knows a lot more about this than I do, so maybe he knows, but I have no idea. I'm going to Google Dracula throwing baby in burlap sack, (laughs) because it's... And then hit image and see what comes up. (laughs) It's entirely... Turn safe search on first. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's entirely possible you could watch that in something else and, like, merge it together. That's kind of what I was wondering. Too. Yeah. I've never seen the this Dracula movie, unfortunately. I'll add it to my list. 
but it does sound like the kind of thing that might get merged in. Scott, you've watched you know, probably more vampire movies than Tracy, I assume, right? Yes, <laughs> I have. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, no. I had two microphones thrown in my face. <laughs> two microphones, one Scott. Um, does that scene sound familiar to you from anything you've seen? And not at all. I, I have vague memory of there being a child in Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Coppola film from the 90s. But I don't remember the, being a baby in a burlap sack. Yeah, I, I, I've done a, a Google search for Dracula throwing baby. and <laughs> Which needs to be the name of like a game, a Flash game or something. Yes. Developer games on Xbox. And there, there seems to be a Hotel Transylvania clip where he's throwing a baby. Probably not what you've confused <laughs> with the TV movie from the 70s. I, I can't imagine an Adam Sandler an voiced animated film features. <laughs> Oof. To be fair, I've never seen those films, so I shouldn't judge. And there's three of them, so they must be doing well, but yeah. He may have been tossing the baby up in the air. like it, Yeah, it looks know, like, you know, like... Like you're, totally, you're playing with them. You're playing with them. Not, not throwing them, like, out Off the... parapet. Or out the back of a car because you're trying to avoid zombies or something. <laughs> That's a Brenda thing. Did you, did you even catch that? No. Oh! Oh, oh, no, sorry, I'm reading. Wow, old listeners of Mail Order Zombie would get that joke. Oh, was it about throwing babies out? Yes, it, yes, it was. That's baby. Have you seen the Hotel Transylvania? Why am I doing the Spider-Man clip? Have you seen the Hotel Transylvania films? Uh, the first one. Yes. Any good? Uh, not bad if you can get past it being Adam Sandler. He kind of reins himself in. Yeah, he's not too bad, and like, but I have not seen the second one or the third one. We were going to drive in, and it was part of a double feature, and we were there to see the other movie, which I can't remember what it was. You know me pretty well. Would I like it? I don't think so. Okay. Although, like I said in previous episodes, I think it's great that there are three of them, which means that Dracula, Frankenstein's Monsters, and all that are in the pop culture on, it's, on some level, and that, that's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Uh, they even turned up as like a theme week on a Food Network challenge show, which is so cool that yeah. that turned up. So Yeah, you would have to like Adam Sandler in his normal cast of idiots that he does movies with, because they're all voices in this, in this okay. series. Okay. Did you actually find... Dracula throwing a burlap baby? What I found was a comment that I feel like maybe is made up. Something on the internet is made up? As had no. been said, it's probably a carryover from the actual novel in which the brides don't make the trip. Having any of the brides pop up in London would be unnecessary, unnecessarily crowd the narrative, etc., etc., Somebody said, the three brides each had their own hobbies. Let's call them Flopsy, Mopsy, and Topsy. Flopsy became bored with building miniature ships in bottles and took up carving little coffins for bugs. Mopsy collected babies in a burlap sack. Topsy just crossed off the days on a calendar. Okay. Somebody needs to make that animated feature, because I'd watch the heck out of that. As long as Adam Sandler doesn't voice one of the three brides. <laughs> What, what is that from? What's that comment from? Classic Horror Film Board, Tapatalk. Oh. Yeah, the Classic Horror Film Board. They're the guys that uh, co-sponsor the Rondos. Oh. It's a great message board. I don't get too involved over there. I, I wish I had more time. Actually, maybe I should make that a point next year. Yeah, but that just seems to be a, a comment, not really a... 
definitive, this is the thing. Right. I've listened to the a full cast recording of Dracula, and I mm-hmm. don't remember from the novel Burlap. Babies, babies in burlap bags. Well, let's—that's a band name. Let's throw this out to the listeners. Anybody got any ideas on this? Is it something that you've seen, either a Dan Curtis production or something else? I'd love to hear about it. MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com or the voicemail number that I'll talk about at the end of the show. Yes, let uh, us help this person figure out where this <laughs> interesting memory came from of a baby in a burlap sack being tossed matter-of-factly to the brides. So we have one more voicemail, and I remember I do have another email. So let's play a voicemail, the last voicemail. Okay, thank you, Paul. Hi, Derek and Monster Kid Radio. This is Mike Herman, and I um, wanted to share my thoughts on uh, the Dan Curtis Dracula film, which I hadn't seen before. Um, It's one of the thrills of Monster Kid Radio, kind of expanding my horror film catalog. You know, it's always a thrill to see a new Dracula. I, like so many other Monster Kids, that's kind of my main monster, and I just love seeing all the different takes on it. I thought this one was pretty interesting. I don't think it's quite as good as some of the other Dracula films coming out of the 70s, but that was a phenomenal decade for Dracula. I think the Langella Dracula is a lot better. I think the Herzog Nosferatu is stellar, too. But it's a pretty solid film, and I think the best thing about it is kind of how it's, gives you a taste of the original Stoker novel from the great Richard Matheson. Bram Stoker's Dracula is a pretty hard novel to adapt because Dracula himself, he's gone for a pretty large portion of it. And I think what Matheson did pretty well, especially in the beginning of the film, is give you a little flavor of what Stoker was trying to do. You get a lot of the beginning um, of the novel. It's pretty faithfully adapted, the parts of Jonathan Harker. And I think that's one of the strengths of the film that is Jonathan Harker played by Murray Brown. Um, I looked at his filmography and he didn't seem to do quite a bit. It looked like a lot of genre work, but I thought he was really excellent in the film because that's a character that I think is hard to do successful because he's kind of naive to the point of being a little unbelievable in some other adaptions of Dracula that have him go as the real return to Castle Dracula. The big thing about the film is obviously Palance. You know, he's kind of the draw, I think, even more so than Curtis or Matheson. He's, you know, because he's such a presence. Um, The thing about Jack Palance is he's such a scary guy in whatever he is. It's kind of hard to say if he's what he's bringing to the character of Dracula. There's another great film called... um, I believe, Alone in the Dark. It's kind of an 80s slasher film with Jack Palance as a villain. Comparing it to this version of Dracula, it's pretty similar. You know, the heavy breathing, the kind of death stare. He's re- He was really a character, one-of-a-kind kind of actor. Um, so I kind of dig it, bringing it to Dracula. I think uh, Palance, um, kind of creepiness of just his persona... I think fits well with the kind of animal depiction of Dracula, you know, the kind of pure kind of animal, the kind of negative kind of sexual connotations of the character. And I think that works well, but I think in this Matheson script with the reincarnated Dracula's wife, I don't know how good of a fit that was for this particular Dracula, but I think he's a great character and a very interesting to see him in this part. 
Um, I look forward to the rest of uh, Day in December. I haven't really gone into Dark Shadows yet. You know, it's a, such a huge project, it's kind of overwhelming, but I'm thinking I might someday. I'm interested to see what you guys have to say about it. I'm probably going to give House of Dark Shadows a watch as well. I hope it isn't too overwhelming or confusing for someone who hasn't really been familiarized with the show, but keep up the good work. I love uh, when Steven's on the show. He's great, and um, happy holidays to everyone in the Monster Kid world. Yeah, House of Dark Shadows, you can definitely watch without having a lot of experience with Dark Shadows. Check it out, but I mean, the original Dark Shadows is so cool. Well, and actually, I forgot to ask you guys when it came up earlier. You're Tim Burton fans. So did you watch the Tim Burton Dark Shadows? Yes. And? I wish I hadn't. Oh. Wow. It's terrible. Oh, okay, no. okay. Tracy? Yeah, I agree. It's not that good. I would much rather, and I, I I will make a confession here. I have never seen Dark Shadows, but even I could tell that it was not a faithful adaptation. Okay. What did you not like about it? The level of humor. What I've always heard about Dark Shadows is it's never been a comedy, and they tried to shoehorn comedy into this movie and I like Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow. He is trying to do Barnabas as Captain Jack Sparrow. Uh, okay. I would agree with that. The comedy just seemed very misplaced. Um, and we know Tim Burton can do comedy. We've got Beetlejuice, but yeah, this, this was, and we know Tim Burton can't miss. do serious movies because got planet of the apes. wow okay then tell Um, us how you really feel scott (laughs) i haven't seen that dark shadows and and maybe i will eventually i've listened to the score and i've said this a few times on the show i think the score is fine but yeah that whole campy you know comedy thing that i see in the trailers that's not what the show is about man no if you're making adam's family or the Munsters or something like that yeah that's where that goes but well, I mean, even like they tried to. So sometimes it kind of works when they're adapting a TV show. I, I think of like the Brady Bunch movie. Now, granted, it was a sitcom to begin with, but they really amped it up for the film, and, and it kind of sort of worked for what it was. Dukes of Hazards did not, you know, and, and you, you can't just I don't know just throw comedy at a remake of a seventies or eighties TV show and expect it to. I don't know. Listeners out there, if anybody expected Derek to make a Brady Bunch reference on this show, please let us know, because I doubt anybody out there was expecting that one. (laughs) (laughs) I had to watch both of those movies repeatedly over the course of a weekend, because at the movie theater I worked at as a student at Montana State University, we brought those movies in. And I had to watch a very Brady sequel repeatedly. And the most that I got out of it, or the best thing I got out of it was that I recognized the reference to the Brady Kids cartoon, and nobody else did. There we go. That was the Procrastinator Theater? That's what it was called, the Procrastinator Theater. That's one of the first times you stood out to me as where, somebody to remember. Where, where you started looking at me, but I had no idea you were there. <laughs> so basically stalking. Now, I was dating somebody, but you were very funny. I also met you at the video store. What happened? What do you mean? When did I stop being... <laughs> no, you're funny. I love joking around with you. Whoa. So the, at a video store, my then boyfriend and I were looking for a video to watch and you were very funny. And then at the Procrastinator Theater, you were very funny. And then I didn't see you for oh, quite a while. 
Oh, I was on to you. I was hiding. <laughs> but I did not stand out to Derek at all. <sighs> um, okay, so as far as 70s vampires movies go, I think the 70s was a really sweet spot for vampire films. A lot of great Hammer films. And something that we've talked about a couple of times since you've been here, at least Scott and I have a few times, Blackula, man. Um, and Scream, Blackula, Scream. Yeah, I mean, just solid, solid entries. Blackula is back. All new. All powerful. <laughs> Blackula. The Black Prince of Shadows rises from his grave to stalk the earth again in the all-new motion picture chiller, Scream, Blackula, Scream. Blackula returns, quenching his thirst for blood in a death trap for his enemies. Blackula, more horrifying than Dracula, screaming for revenge against a voodoo cult of evil. Scream, Blackula, Scream, all new, rated PG, starring William Marshall, Don Mitchell, and Pam Greer, the sensuous godmother of coffee. You were terrified at Blackula. Now the Prince of Shadows returns in Scream, Blackula, Scream. Uh, I was just speaking with Micah Harris. We're not speaking, but we'll talk with Micah on Facebook. I'm not talking, I guess, chatting. That's it. Uh, and he was talking about Count Yorga, which is another 70s vampire property, which I'm not very familiar with. Count Yorga Vampire is a horror-haunted tale that will take you beyond the boundaries of shock, past the threshold of fear, into a world of the almost human. Vampires have always fascinated me. They should. Their intelligence is far superior to humans. Is it true that vampires must be in the resting places before the sun rises? That if the rays of the sun hit them, they will disintegrate? <laughs> in Count Yorga Vampire, she-creatures of unspeakable cravings become the mistresses of the Death Master, Count Yorga. No, this film is not of centuries past. It is a film of today. It could happen to you. Perhaps it is already happening to someone you know. Today's young people find it fascinating to dabble in the supernatural, and now they and their ladies pay the penalty in Count Yorga Vampire. See Count Yorga Vampire, rated GP. Parental guidance suggested. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of good vampires. Velvet Vampire was in the 70s, and I really like that one. And I've lost track of the number of times you've told me, I can't wait to cover the Hammer Dracula films on, on Down Place. Yeah. Oh, man, they're so good. So good. <laughs> are they so bad they're good, or are they so good? I love them. I adore them, and so does Joshua Kennedy. So, you know, two of us can't be wrong, right? Well, I, I will um, <laughs> I will say that I trust Joshua's uh, opinion okay, okay. because I can also think of another late 60s, early 70s oh, vampire movie that you recommended to me. <laughs> shush, shush. For dear life, hold on to your blood because your blood is their life because your nightmare is their reality. They are history's deadliest vampires, creating the panic only one man can stop. Captain Cronus, Vampire Hunter, with death at every doorway, trembling in every heart. Now, the terror must be challenged. Who lives to destroy the curse? Kill me! Kill me! Who duels to battle the undead? Her youth will pulse through your veins, my darling. Who dares to bleed the bloodthirsty? Yes, you bleed, my lord. 
At last, horror has met its match. Captain Cronus, Vampire Hunter, from Paramount Pictures, rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. Uh, one more email, and then we'll do the classified, and we'll wrap this up. Hey, Derek. Hey. And of course, Brenda. Hello. <laughs> Sorry I missed the 400th episode, but I wanted to write in and say the show is better than ever. Dan Sember was so cool. I've never seen those two Dark Shadows films, but I'm going to watch them ASAP. Scream of the Wolf is one of my favorites. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Did it come out Scream of the Wolf? Yes. <laughs> Scream of the Wolf is one of my favorites. I just watched it recently. Graves and Walker are really good in this one. I also just rewatched Dracula's Daughter for two big reasons. First, I hadn't seen it in a very long time. And secondly, is because of you talking about it on the show a while back. Great atmosphere in that one. But I just wish it had more action. Overall, a solid flick. Okay, looking forward to listening in 2019. But it's time to go. Billy Dunleavy signing off. So everybody around me is laughing while I'm trying to read. Is it because I said... Scream of the Wolf? No. Okay. No, it has nothing to do with you. I just wanted to say that I, too, just watched uh, Dracula's Daughter for two big reasons. I was watching Elvira. Oh. Uh. <laughs> yep. Yep. He went there. Oh. Uh, and he's a Disney podcaster. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I want to watch Dracula's Daughter with Brenda. I think you would really enjoy it. Mm. Uh, that is a movie that Jim Beard and I covered a while back. And Jim, good guy, going to have him on the show next year. Would love to talk about that. But uh, let's see. What else did he say? The Dark Shadow stuff. Check out the films. I'd love to hear what you think about it. I really would. I think we should keep the Dan Semberg January thing going. Oh, that's right. Because we are going into January. We are going into January. And next year, there will be another Dan Semberg that will be just the four weeks in December. What are these three buttons under here? One says, glad you enjoyed it. The other says, cool. I'll check it out. And the third says, thanks. Gmail has started giving you default responses. Oh, I'm going to say, glad you enjoyed nope. it. No. Oh, it won't it just, send the email. Yeah. It just fills the email with, glad you enjoyed it. No. Oh, and you, you press it. it multiple times. You didn't times. say anything except, glad you enjoyed it. All right. It is getting late. We've been recording for at least an hour now, and Scott and Tracy are going to turn into a pumpkin. One. Um, no, the carriage will turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> we are recording this on New Year's Eve Eve. Yes. And uh, we, we have plans for tomorrow night, so. New Year's Adam. Okay. It is New Year's Adam. Uh, so, yeah, we, we need to start wrapping things up, and I uh, love the idea of playing the Classic Five. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have Brenda be the reader, because oh. she won't know all the answers. That's right. All right, peoples. Okay, card number one. What color is it? Maybe green. It's really hard to tell. Or gray. It looks like it might be the core It's deck. a core deck, yes. Okay. Starting with Scott. What Boris Karloff role could slash should have been played by Bella Lugosi? Well, I'm not going to say the obvious one because it actually was. <sighs> what Karloff role could have been played by Lugosi? I can't think of any that should have because I like Kar Karloff quite a bit. I'm having a, a hard time with this one because I would have liked to have seen Lugosi do some of the later stuff that Karloff did, mainly because that meant Lugosi was around longer. 
I mean, he could have easily have played, and, and I've mentioned this film on the show before, but Targets. Targets is, is one of my favorite films. Boris Karloff playing an aging horror star, and uh, I think Lugosi could have, could have done that as well, but that would have meant he would have been around longer. Which is another movie that I think you might like, Brian. Okay. Yeah, I think Brenda would like Targets. Tar- Targets is a solid film, and I think it'd be fun to see. See what he would bring to the role, you know? Mm-hmm. Can I have Karloff and Lugosi switch roles in Black Cat? Sure. See what they would have brought to each of those roles that would have made it a different film. No, I'm just I'm, I'm just imagining it because the Black Cat is so perfect as it is. It is. I, I will film. not argue that. And I, and I love Lugosi playing against type. But he does have that switch at the end where he's going just as dark. That would be fun to see Karloff portray that. And then obviously having Lugosi as the villain the whole time. As the 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 creepy host of the castle, which he was good at as Dracula. Yeah, I like it. My other thought was Lugosi narrating The Grinch Stole Christmas. Yes! <laughs> How cool would that have been? Uh, for me, I would love to see him, I think it might be fun to see him do the uh, role of Dr. Neiman from House of Frankenstein, which is the role that Karloff came back to play in the Frankenstein films. Uh, just because Lugosi was good at playing the, the, the mad scientist type. And it would have been interesting to see him play a doctor that has power, like real power and control over Frankenstein's monster, as opposed to what he does later as Dracula and Abbott and Casella Frankenstein. Okay, this is from the Monster Bash exclusive deck. Who has been your favorite celebrity guest to meet at Monster Bash? Didn't you do this already, Scott, and yes. say me? Yes, I did. Oh. Uh, <laughs> okay. Who's been your favorite celebrity guest to meet at Monster Bash and a real celebrity and not me? And you know what? So Scott can think about it. We'll start with Tracy. I wanted to say, who is that? Was there a Barbara that I met? You met Judith O'Day. Yes, she was amazing. She didn't take no sass. She was the one with the accent, right? Yeah, from Night of the Living Dead. I think so, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yes, it was. Cool. Watching your interaction with her was awesome. I didn't record it. I should have, but maybe I shouldn't have. I mean, it was special. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, we'll let Scott marinate here. Uh, Tracy. I would have a hard time choosing between the lovely ladies of Hammer that I met they were also charming and really engaging with everyone that came to see them and still looking as lovely as always. You can say the Hammer Girls as a collective. Why not? The Hammer. And they're going to be at the next Monster Bash. It's going to be awesome. Uh, for me, you know what I'm going to say. It's my girlfriend. Yes. Julie Adams. Well, my, my second favorite celebrity that I have ever met at Monster Bash, and I'm going to have to agree with Tracy, was the time that we got to met, meet the Hammer Girls because I also got to interview each one of them, and that was pretty much a bucket list item for that me. That was awesome. And didn't we play those recordings on Downplace? Yes. On the, Downplace? If you go back, if you go out and look at uh, Downplace's um, episode list, you will find uh, the interviews that I did. Very cool. I was insanely jealous and insanely proud, too, because I know how much fun you had doing that. So, Well, you won't be jealous much longer because the next Monster Bash, they are returning. Hey, I've had their voices in my ear for like the past month. So. <laughs> <laughs> but now they will be visions in your eyes. That, oh, oh. Yeah. Re- reference to House of the Gorgon that I'm working on, the sound stuff. So 
All right, card number three, Brenda. Lay it on us. This is another classic. Who is your favorite horror host? Oh, it's easy for me. It's who I grew up with watching, and that's Sammy Terry. I didn't grow up with any horror hosts, so my experience is more as an adult. I really enjoy Sven Gulli. So here's the thing. A couple of those cards, I've never answered myself. And this one is really tough because I'm really good friends with a couple of horror hosts out there. All right. Gang Green is, is amazing. All right. And Dr. Gang Green, Larry Underwood's the man. And then Dr. Drack, Michael Ledge, he's cool too. All right. And Sven Gulli. And Sven Gulli's awesome. Haven't met him. I'm not friends with him yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm coming for you, Sven. Oh. Even we have met him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you didn't get a station ID, so you're dead. No, I'm just <laughs> No, I think it's awesome that you met him. Okay, so um, I'm going to say active horror hosts right now. Oh, do I have to pick one? No. Okay, good. Uh, I like, so active horror hosts, people are doing active horror hosting right now. I really like what Dr. Dreck does. Uh, I like Sven quite a bit, and I'm a big fan of Marlena Midnight for the Midnight Mausoleum. Oh, that's right. She's awesome. That show is incredible, and I really wish I could watch every episode in my market instead of having to rely on DVDs. Classic horror host, of course, I love Elvira. Okay, that's four. I think you've stretched it way too far. All right, fine. Moving on, then. <laughs> Fritz or Igor? Should we do Tracy again first? I'd probably have to go with Fritz. Really? Okay. Because I've, I've seen the original Frankenstein more than I have any of the sequels. Okay, okay. Are we opening this up to every incarnation of those two characters? That's all it says is Fritz or Igor. Then it's got to be Igor and Marty Feldman. Don't you mean Igor? Igor, exactly. <laughs> oh, I hadn't even thought about that. Hump? What hump? Oh, I ain't got nobody. Um, I'm going to go with Igor because it's Lugosi playing Igor and really one of his greatest roles Ever, especially in Son of Frankenstein. Ghost of Frankenstein, I always make the joke, he saw a dentist sometime between the two films, cleaned up his teeth, and kind of cleaned him up a little bit, sanitized him a little bit. But in Son of Frankenstein, he's great. Yeah, I, I got to agree with you on there, and that's another point in Igor's favor. All right, final card. What is your favorite big bug monster movie? Oh, that's easy. Hands down, Tarantula. Hands down, no doubt, no question, John Agar, awesome. Surely there's a Mim bug movie. And he used Tarantula as a bunch of inspiration for the giant spider. <laughs> tarantula. But what if circumstances were to magnify one of them in size and strength, took it out of its primitive world and turned it loose in ours, then expect something that's fiercer, more cruel and deadly than anything that ever walked the earth? Even science was stunned. The new atomic miracle should have been mankind's greatest boon. Instead, when such power to cause phenomenal growth proved dangerously unstable, man was confronted with his most shocking blunder. The isotope triggered our nutrient into a nightmare. A blunder that transformed a tiny insect into the hundred-foot spider that was now ravaging the panic-stricken countryside. I'd probably go with them. We'll go with the oh, quintessential. Man, I always forget about them because it's not a universal picture. I tell you, gentlemen, science has agreed that unless something is done and done quickly, man as the dominant species of life on Earth will be extinct within a year.
by direction of the President of the United States, stay in your homes, I repeat, stay in your homes. Your personal safety, the safety of the entire city, depends upon your full cooperation with the military authorities. Yes, cities, nations, even civilization itself, threatened with annihilation, because in one moment of history-making violence, nature, mad, rampant, wrought its most awesome creation. For born in that swirling inferno of radioactive dust were things so horrible, so terrifying, so hideous, there is no word to describe them. We may be witnesses to a biblical prophecy come true, and thus will be destruction and darkness come up in creation, and the beast shall reign over the earth. Yes, the earth, the skies above and the seas below, infested by swarms of nightmare creatures, crueler, deadlier than the armored giants of prehistoric eras. Here is a wild, headlong flight into terror as the desert erupts with the grim battle for survival. Here is a fear-frenzied moment of suspense as mankind totters before a thing that multiplies faster than it can be killed. Here is a desperate plunge into the black depths of the earth where human courage challenges the brute force, the slashing jaws, the poison fangs that guard the subterranean nest where the beast spawns its terrible progeny. To all units, to all units, condition red, drain 267 is the target area. Repeat, condition red, drain 267 is the target area. It's got to be the beginning of the end. Bird Eye Gordon, Peter Graves, giant cicadas that attack Chicago, or at least they crawl over postcards that look like <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> I, I, that scene is just burned into my mind of uh, the cicadas uh, attacking on a postcard. Courtesy of MST3K. I had seen it long before uh, MST3K. We may be witnessing the beginning of an era that will mean the complete annihilation of man. Annihilation? The beginning of the end. A menace so massive, so overwhelming, that thousands upon thousands are propelled into senseless terror. Panic takes the place of planned evacuation, and whole cities are paralyzed by fear. The Air Force is standing by with an atom bomb. You can't drop an atom bomb on Chicago. They actually used this when the Sci-Fi Channel uh, got MST3K. They played it twice in a row, one in the Eastern Time Zone, one in the Western Time Zone. And they had people that, I can't remember if it was through Twitter or what, but basically live riff it. And they had the tweets running across the bottom of the screen. Wow! It wasn't on the show proper. None of the actual characters were on there, but it was just kind of like... This is what MST3 is going to be if you don't know it, if you've never seen yeah. it before, as an introduction on Sci Fi Channel. Okay. And it's a good film. And Peter Graves, you know, we know him from Mission Impossible and all that, but you know, he did some great monster movies. Yep. Man. Yep. He really, really did. Um, have you ever covered this one on the show? I have not. Does this sound as the one we want to do? I, I'd like to put a pin in that one if it's available. Sure. Yeah. Sounds like a plan to me. Bert I. Gordon, you can't go wrong with Mr. Big. So, yeah, definitely. I did do Tarantula with Larry, Dr. Underwood, Dr. Underwood, Dr. Gain Green, Larry Underwood, um, or as Brenda accidentally called him once. 
Larry Underwoman. <laughs> and that just about broke Scott. Awesome. Um, Tarantula has Mara Corday going for it, too, which is kind of like my, my backup, you know, if Julie's busy doing her hair or whatever. Just, just saying. And Clint Eastwood. He's not on my list, but, you know, he's there to drop thunder on the tarantula. Anyway, uh, I have one bonus question, and then we're going to wrap up. We just celebrated the holidays, just did Christmas, just did a bunch of Christmas gift giving, that sort of thing. Scott, what is the one thing that you got that you think Monster Kid Radio listeners would dig? Like, monster-related gift that you enjoy? Just tell us about one, a Monster Kid-related. Well, we've been talking about Mystery Science Theater 3000 so much tonight. I got an awesome welcome mat that's the uh, the planet logo from MST3K, and it's awesome. Right on. Tracy, you got one? Or do you want to hitch your wagon to the mat since it's both? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hitch my wagon to the mat, so to speak, because I can't think of anything else monster related. My my holidays were more Marvel than monster. Okay. okay. Brenda hit me with a whole bunch of classic Star Trek stuff, so that's what I'm going to hang on to is all this classic Star Trek, including uh, Star Trek The Lost Scenes, which is just one awesome tome. Where they went in and took a bunch of uh, still photography from behind the scenes of Star Trek, cleaned them up, restored them, and just really highlighting all the behind the scenes stuff that you didn't see in the Roddenberry Vault Blu-ray package that came out a couple years ago. It's awesome. And I'm in a very heavy Star Trek mood right now. So, What about you, Brenda? You need cool monster stuff? I bought a teeny tiny 50 cent dinosaur today. <laughs> that counts. Okay. That counts. Where'd you buy it? Wajamaya. That's right. That's right. The, the little Asian grocery store. It's not little. Well, the dinosaur's little. Yes, he's very tiny. So that is going to bring us to the end of the feedback segment of the show. I'm going to come back here in a second with the outro, but before we wrap up, any final words from anybody? Happy holidays and happy new year. Happy new year, everyone. Happy New Year, and congratulations, Derek, once again on 400 episodes and still going strong. Going strong might be stretching it, considering how tired we all are right now, but yeah, okay, I'll take that. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I feel my search is nearing an end. At last, the collectible toy oasis. What's it going to be? Indy or Han? Dr. Tongue's I Had That Shot, 7129 Northeast Fremont Street. Vintage goofiness from years gone by. Sci-fi and fantasy memorabilia. We specialize in things your mother threw away. And some she didn't. Dr. Tongue's Toys. Hammer Film Productions began in 1934. And after producing almost 200 films and television programs, the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles. 1951 Down Place is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey. Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer Horror, the engaging storytelling, and amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And finally, here's Scott. The man played 21 seasons in Major League Baseball, and for my money, he's still the home run king. This boy has a lot to learn. 
Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes and other information about these classic films. 1951 Downplace can be found in iTunes or their website www.1951downplace.com I thought this podcast was about Hammer and Hank Aaron. 1951 Downplace, the home of Hammer Films discussion. I love that we were able to turn all of this into just kind of a conversation. Your feedback listeners made that happen. So thank you to everybody who called in, everybody who wrote in. I appreciate you being part of the show and helping to make the show that much more, well, better, I guess. More better? Is that really the best? I don't, whatever. It's been a treat to record with Scott and Tracy live and in person. And of course, having Brenda along for the ride, she's my number one. Well, maybe I'm her number. I'm her co-pilot. Am I, who's the sidekick? I think it doesn't matter. I just love recording with Brenda as well. And to have Wednesday pipe in every once in a while, that was kind of cool too, right? It sounded like it did get picked up. So bonus. Anyway, I know the sound quality wasn't 100% what we normally have here on the show, and that's because I got a new microphone for Christmas, and I'm still working out all the kinks and trying to finesse it so that everything sounds awesome. I think by itself, it sounds great. The issue that I was having is we were trying to record four people on a four-sided table in the middle of the living room with three microphones, two of which connected to one device, the other one connected to a laptop. So trying to make everything sync just right was a little bit of a challenge. If you made it this far, thank you for listening. If you want to be part of upcoming episodes by way of feedback, please feel free to give us a call at 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-MKR. Now, important note, the voicemail line is through Google and they have a hard three-minute limit. But you might be asking yourself, how did Steve call and leave a voicemail that runs over six minutes long? Well, he called more than once, and I just stitched them together in the edit to make it sound like one smooth, long voicemail. And if that's what you need to do or that's what you want to do, feel free. I love editing audio. I'll make it happen. I make it sound like one smooth call. I'll also take out all your uhs and ums if you need me to. No problem there. Or you can send me an audio file or just a straight up old school email at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Now, this is all available on our website at monsterkidradio.net. Go check that out. You'll find links to everything we talked about in the show notes, including the Go Forth and Game website and the episode that Tom mentioned. Go check that out as well. Uh, that's really cool. I asked Tom if he's got a, uh, a promo that I can maybe play in future episodes. I think it'd be a lot of fun to kind of, you know, promote some other shows as well. And, you know, if you're a podcaster yourself, listeners, and, and you want to talk to me about what you got going on, maybe even send me a promo. I have no problem putting you into rotation here on Monster Kid Radio. And of course, we've got promos of our own over at monsterkidradio.net. Just go click the promos button. Everything is here that we have going on with Monster Kid Radio, even links to our YouTube page, which is going to be resurrected, going to revive itself here in a few weeks. So stay tuned for that and stay tuned for episode 401 proper. It is finally happening. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Sember has turned into Danuary, and I can't wait to cap off our Dan Curtis series with a lot of talk about the original Dark Shadows TV show. 
as well as the revival and maybe even the film a little bit and maybe even touch on the audio dramas. It's basically Dark Shadows time next week here on the show. So stay tuned for that. That, man, I got to tell you, it's been fun just editing all those pieces together. And I think you're going to dig the voice lineup, the lineup of voices that I have in in store, on hand, on deck. Uh, They're here and they're going to be there in seven days. So stay tuned for that. Between now and then, though, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the music that we played at the beginning of the show, and I'm going to start up here in a second. That song is Smoking Barrel. It is from the band Seafoam Tsunami, which you can find at seafoamtsunami.bandcamp.com. Check out their album, Seismic Swell, 10 tracks. They're all really cool. And they've got a couple of shows coming up. Like I said, January 26th in Canton, Ohio at Busman Art and Music Shop. And February 21st in Manhattan at Arlene's Grocery. Go check them out. Drop by. Buy their album and let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. My name is Derek Kim Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week when we talk about Dark Shadows. Ciao. (laughs) 